0: Good morning, beloved, and happy Wednesday to you. Today is August the 25th, I believe, 2021. And today, Father has put it on my heart to discuss false doctrine and what that means because it is very imperative to you that you're not following it. I believe in in scripture, I believe in all of it, I don't pick and choose, Um, I go to father with everything, and that's why I believe in scripture, so, what is false doctrine, right? Let's talk about, there's an article on chalies.com, C-H-A-L-L-I-E-S.com, and I pulled this up to try to help talk about what false doctrine is and how to tell the difference. So it begins by saying, T.D. Jake says that God eternally exists in three manifestations, not three persons. Greg Boyd says God knows some aspects of the future, but that other future events are outside of his knowledge. Creflo Dollar says, because we are created in the image of God, we are little gods. Mormonism says God revealed new scripture to Joseph Smith that supersedes the Bible. Roman Catholicism says we are justified by faith, but not by faith alone. This world is a murky madness of true and false. For every doctrine we know to be true, there seems to be a hundred pretenders. No wonder then that John tells us to test the spirits, and Paul says test everything. 1 John 4.1 Thessalonians 5, 21. It is our sacred responsibility to examine every doctrine to determine if it's true or false. But how can we distinguish sound doctrine from false? How can we distinguish teachers of truth from teachers of error? In our opening article, I said that putting a doctrine to the test is the best way to determine if it's true or false. As we test the doctrine, we learn our responsibility toward it. We either hold to it or we reject it. I'm returning to those those tests today to explain them in greater detail. They provide a grid that is useful for testing any doctrine. Number 1. Test the Origin The first test is the test of origin. Sound doctrine originates with God. False doctrine originates with someone or something created by God. The apostle paul went to the great lengths to convince the church in galatia that the gospel he taught was not his own but god's for i would have you know brothers that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel for i did not receive it from any man nor was i taught it but i received it through a revelation of jesus christ galatians one through 11-12 even jesus was clear that he taught only what god had instructed him to teach my teaching is not mine, but His who sent me. John seven sixteen. True doctrine originates with the God who is true. Titus one two. It is this simple: sound teaching originates with God, and false teaching originates with men or demons. Sorry about that. I had to pause for a minute to go ahead and uh, mute my notifications. I forgot to do that this morning. So. Just as true doctrine is marked by its divine origin, false doctrine is marked by its worldly origin. Paul warned the Colossian church to avoid doctrine that is according to human percepts and teachings, and told Timothy that some would depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Colossians 2.22, 1 Timothy 4.1 It is this simple sound teaching originates with God and false teaching originates with men or demons. When it comes to doctrine, if man made it, then we should not hold it. God is the father of truth and Satan is the father of lies. John 8.44. This leaves us with an obvious question. How can we know the origin of the doctrine? Sometimes its origin is obvious, but more often it is not. When we are uncertain, we can turn our second test number two the test of authority the second test is the test of authority sound doctrine grounds its authority within the Bible false doctrine grounds its authority outside the Bible the Bible is God's inherent infallible sufficient complete and authoritative revelation of himself to humanity Doctrines that originate in the mind of God are recorded in the Word of God. There is a clear and necessary correlation between origin and authority between God and His Word. We can think here of those noble Barians who received the Word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Acts 17, 11. They knew that all doctrines must be compared to God's Word, His source of truth. Likewise, Paul praised the Thessalonians for their careful assessment and acceptance of his teaching because they understood its divine authority. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Thessalonians 2.13 Sound doctrine originates in the mind of God and is recorded in his authoritative self-revelation, the Bible. But a concern remains, because two teachers may both claim the authority of the Bible while teaching very different things. How can we know those interpretation is correct? whose interpretation is correct? Excuse me. This is where we turn to the third test. Number three, the test of consistency. The third test is the test of consistency. Sound doctrine is consistent with the whole of scripture. False doctrine is inconsistent with some parts of scripture. There is a sameness or familiarity to truth, excuse me, to true doctrine and a strangeness or unfamiliarity to false doctrine. The man who wrote the letter to the Hebrews warned his congregation about diverse and strange teachings while Paul warns Timothy about accepting different doctrine. Hebrews 13:9 through 1 or excuse me Hebrews 13 through 13:9 13, and 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 3 and chapter 6 verse 3 both meant to emphasize that doctrine must always be compared to the established accepted body of truth those who are knowledgeable about the body of truth will be the best position to immediately identify and refute what is false this is tied to a key theological principle, the analogy of faith, which is often explained with the phrase Scripture interprets Scripture. If the Bible originates the infallible mind of God, it must be consistent throughout, because there can be no contradiction in the mind of God. There can be no contradiction in the revelation of God. What the Bible teaches in is one place it cannot refute in another. Excuse me. What the Bible teaches in one place, it cannot refute in another therefore any true doctrine must be consistent with the whole of scripture doctrine must doctrine must never be treated in isolation but always in light of correct understanding of the entire bible too many false teachers isolate verses or ideas that cannot withstand the scrutiny of the whole book once we have tested doctrine and found it to be true according to these three criteria we can also see its sound excuse me its soundness by its effects on us and those around us that requires two more tests number 4 the test of spiritual growth the fourth test is the test of spiritual growth sound doctrine is beneficial for spiritual health false doctrine leads to spiritual weakness After instructing Timothy, Paul told him, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ, Jesus, being trained in the word of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. 1 Timothy uh, 4-6 Timothy had trained himself in the Bible and Christian doctrine. He had nourished himself in the truths. He had been exposed to since he was a child, and he had never stopped. Through his continual nourishment, this ongoing dining on the word of God, he had grown spiritually healthy and strong. He had accumulated a thorough knowledge of God in his word. This is why Paul called him a man of God with sincere faith. 1 Timothy 6 verse 11, 2 Timothy 1 verse 5. Timothy's consent nourishment and the sound doctrine of the word of God made him the man he was constant nourishment excuse me guys sound doctrine makes spiritually healthy mature knowledgeable christians false doctrine makes spiritually unhealthy immature ignorant christians who may be no christians at all number five the test of godly living the fifth test is the test of godly living sound doctrine has a value excuse me, has value for godly living. False doctrine leads to ungodly living. Truth never stands on its own, but always has implications in life. Doctrine is always meant to lead to doxology, worship, and purposeful living. All scripture is breathed out by God, says Paul, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, 2 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 through 17. Scripture is not to be known in an abstract sense, but intimately, it is to inform not only our minds, but our hearts and hands as well. Paul charged Titus to teach what accords with sound doctrine, reminding him that such doctrine is excellent and profitable for people. What accords with sound doctrine is its far-reaching implications, the duties that flow out of it. Thus, sound doctrine has value. It is profitable in teaching us to live as we ought to live. It equips us to do those things that are good for our neighbor and that bring honor and glory to our God. Truth has not been grasped until it has been lived. Sound Doctrine profits us by training us to live in the way that pleases God. False Doctrine weakens us by training us to live in the way that dishonors God. Evaluation The Determination of Quality At this point, we simply take all of the evidence from the three tests and make a conclusion about the quality of the Doctrine in question. Sound Doctrine originates with God, is recorded in the Word of God, is consistent in the whole revelation of God, and leads to both spiritual health and godly living. False doctrine originates with men or demons, is foreign to the Word of God, is inconsistent with the whole revelation of God, and leads to spiritual weakness and ungodly living. It must pass all the tests in order to be sound. If it fails one, it fails all of them. This word sound refers to health and appears often in the New Testament. For example, Paul instructed Timothy, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. To Titus he said, teach what accords with sound doctrine. The task of the doctor is to evaluate a patient to declare him fit or unfit. The patient is fit when his whole body is functioning properly, free of disease. The task of the Christian is to evaluate every doctrine to declare it fit or unfit. John Strauss says it's characteristically well, says it characteristically well. Christian doctrine is healthy in the same way as the human body is healthy, for Christian doctrine resembles the human body. It is a coordinated system consisting of different parts, which relate to one another and together constitute a harmonious whole. If therefore our theology is maimed, With bits missing or diseased, with bits distorted, it is not sound or healthy. Doctrine that passes the three tests is sound doctrine. It is pure and undefiled, true according to God's unfailing standard of truth. So, there's your little... Let's go look at the conclusion here. Conclusion. In summary, true doctrine originates with God is grounded in the Bible and agrees with the whole of scripture because such doctrine is sound it is healthy and profitable for us we are responsible for holding it false doctrine originates with man is not grounded in the Bible and contradicts portions of scripture because such doctrine is unsound it is unhealthy and unprofitable for us and we are responsible for rejecting it so False doctrine. What do you think is a good example of false doctrine, brothers and sisters? Now that we've read how to identify it, there's a reason. See, in Revelation, let me get here. In the book of Revelation, let's see what. Revelation 22, 18 through 19. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. And that's Revelation 22, 18 through 19. Basically saying, hey, if you're going to go and uh, believe in other religions and doctrines and of men then you're gonna be cursed so let's go back here what's a good example of that what is a good example of that here's here's one of uh, Mormons beliefs just off the top I ask, do Mormons believe they become gods? And according to Mormon cosmology, if a person receives exaltation, they inherit all the attributes of God the Father, including Godhood. Mormons believe that these people will become gods and goddesses in the afterlife and will have all power, glory, dominion, and knowledge. That's not biblical. Also Where what did I type in here? Where did the Book of Mormon come from? It was first published in 1830 in Palmyra, New York, and was thereafter widely reprinted and translated. Its followers hold that it's a divinely inspired work revealed to and translated by the founder of their religion, Joseph Smith. Moroni delivering the Book of Mormon to Joseph Smith, lithograph 1886. Who is Moroni? Let's just look that up. Or let's just say is Moroni mentioned in the Bible. <laughs> okay, so this is um this is funny. So Moroni is supposedly the angel that gave Joseph Smith the revelation or something okay so because of his instrumentality in the restoration of the gospel Moroni is commonly identified by latter-day Saints as the angel mentioned in Revelation fourteen six, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people that's misconstrued completely completely. Let me see. You know what? I have a study Bible here. Thanks to my brother in Christ, Sean. I love you, brother. If you're listening, thank you so much. I re- I use this Bible. I really do. <laughs> so let's go. Sorry, I have all my notes and stuff in here. Revelation 14.6. Because I want to see, I want to see, okay, here's the actual scripture from my, uh, King James Version, okay, <clears throat> it's Revelation 14, 6. what they say about this scripture. Some believe this is a final, worldwide appeal to all people to recognize the one true God. No one will have the excuse of never having heard God's truth. Others, however, see this as an announcement of judgment rather than an appeal. The people of the world have had their chance to proclaim their allegiance to God, and now God's great judgment is about to begin. If you are reading this, you have already heard God's truth. You know that God's final judgment will not be put off forever. Have you joyfully received the everlasting good news? Have you confessed your sins and trusted the Christ to save you? If so, you have nothing to fear from God's judgment. The judge of all the earth is your Savior. Hallelujah. Okay, so do you see how they take this one scripture from the book of Revelation, misconstrue it, to seem like this is the past revelation is yet to come it, it's what's coming to us so I mean common sense if you read scripture you understand that you have an understanding of it but if all you do is put your faith in in the men in your church in the heads of your church and what they say to you, having never read and studied your Bible yourself and taken it to, to God and asked for Holy Spirit's guidance, you're lost. You you end up believing this garbage. Moroni was never mentioned in scripture as Michael, Michael the archangel. He's mentioned, Gabriel's mentioned, even the fallen angels are mentioned by name. So why wouldn't, why wouldn't uh, God mention this this name anywhere you need to ask yourself these things and that's just one thing so let's see what else I I pulled up about that and I don't want to just pick on uh, Mormons let's pick on the Catholics <laughs> and I don't really mean that you know I'm just joking I have a lot of Catholic friends I love them to death okay so why do Catholics worship the Pope okay so this is very simply put the papacy is an additional source of authority for Catholics While many Catholics often turn to the Bible for guidance, they are also able to turn to the teachings of the Pope. The Pope is important as he represents a direct line back to Jesus. In this sense, Catholics see Jesus as being present in the papacy. God is omnipresent. He doesn't need some man in a stupid suit with a fish hat to tell you that he's here. The Vatican, from an aerial view, looks like a pregnant serpent. The Vatican has a room where the Pope gives speeches that resembles the head of a serpent. The Vatican also harbors a picture of Lucifer in the basement, Uh, Medusa, uh, they have all kinds of pagan gods in there. They worship Mary and it's not really Mary that they're worshiping, they're just trying to push the mother-child worship because they know that it's wrong because the Bible says it's wrong. So they've pushed this mother-child worship, but they're not the first ones to do it. And I mean, if you have friends in the new age, they will point it out. They'll point it out. Oh, Jesus is copying this. Jesus is copying that. No. To understand what happened there, you have to go back to the book of Genesis where God comes down after, after Satan tricks Eve, God manifests and tells Satan, you're going to be bruised by the, you're, you're going to be bruised by the seed of the woman. Well, Satan being the smart angel that he was picked up on that right away and said, wait a minute, a woman doesn't have a seed that comes from the man. So he knew right then and there, it was going to be a divine birth. He knew right then and there, that's what was going to happen. So because he is who he is, the serpent that he is, he had to come up with other ways. And it's just all the same um, stories and and things with different names. You've got what Isis and Isis and like, just look at the different goddesses, pagan gods. They're all, they're all copycats. But the main one is Semiramis and uh, Nimrod, Right because Nimrod was pissed excuse my language I know it's not proper to say pissed Nimrod was really angry at God for the flood and so he vowed to build that tower to say hey you're never going to flood us again you're not going to destroy my people again <laughs> and uh you know he he was the king of Babylon so when he died in battle Semiramis had been having an affair but that was her way to use this and I'm sure she was influenced by hardcore demons She used this as a way to say, Oh my gosh, Nimrod was just killed in battle, but he resurrected as the sun and impregnated me with a (laughs) sunbeam. But that's more believable, right? You have to ask yourself do you believe things because you want to believe them? Or do you believe them because you know them to be true? Have you researched and studied anything? Or are you just blindly following something that a man told you once upon a time? Are you angry about the Bible because you don't understand it? Are you angry at your believer friends because you think that we are arrogant? I'm not arrogant at all. I love my brothers and sisters. I love mankind. You're called to do so. And that's why I created this podcast, you know. Somebody has to hear it. Somebody has to wake up. Somebody has to be touched by the Spirit. I know a lot of Mormons. I know a lot of Catholic people. Even Seventh-day Adventists. If you're following false doctrine, and that being anything outside of Scripture, Holy Scripture can be proven. It's infallible. So if you're looking at another... <clears throat> excuse me, if you're looking at another book ask yourself where it came from was it inspired by God or was it written by men catechisms of the Catholic Church oh my god, there's thousands of them, right? why? why? the, the Bible right here tells us the laws of God right? It, it gives you actual instructions on how to live, how to be How to prosper. And that does not mean money. So. Let's see if there's anything else I could bring up one last time before we get over this. So. Moroni is the angel that Mormons believe in. He's not in the Bible. Catholics. mm -mm. (laughs) Let's see here. Why do? Let's see why is Catholic confession important? The Catholic rite, obligatory at least once a year for serious sin, is usually conducted within a confessional box, booth, or reconciliation room for the Catholic Church. The intent of this sacrament is to provide healing for the soul as well as to regain the grace of God lost by sin. Just I can't even take Catholicism seriously, you guys. And it's because, I mean, let's just gosh, if you just look at the laws of God, the Ten Commandments just right there just how many laws are being broken. Oh my Lord. And and the very fact that y'all call this man holy father he's not a holy anything he wears a fish hat which is Dagon worship you guys should look that up you know he holds a staff with a serpent on it much like the Baphomet much like big you know (laughs) the uh what is it the medical symbol with the staff and the serpent It's all related, guys. So this was just a little podcast to get y'all thinking and get the wheels in your brain turning in hopes that, you know, it helps somebody understand why there's such a big divide in the world. And it's all understanding and and ego. Put down your ego and pick up your Bible. No, you're not going to understand it when you read it. You need to pray about it. You need to study it. You need to rightly divide the word. Old and New Testament, it's important. Um, Mormons will tell you, just read the, um, the Gospels. Luke, John, Matthew, Luke, John, Matthew, and what other one do they tell you to read? I think, I'm not sure which other one. I'm not a Mormon, so I don't know, but they just tell you to read the New Testament. Jewish uh, people are not allowed to read the New Testament. You can't even find it in Israel, in Jewish language. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, there's a reason, guys, there's a reason there's a huge divide and it boils down to understanding your Bible. Go back to the basics. It's there for you for a reason it is basics instructions before leaving earth. And I used to make fun of that, like really, (laughs) but it's true. It's true. And Holy spirit will, will show you that. But God bless you, brothers and sisters. Thank you for spending this half hour of your morning with me. I do appreciate it. And I look forward to the next time we get to spend some time together talking about stuff. Uh, Again, if you have any topic ideas or if you'd like to join me for a podcast, go ahead and shoot me an email. It's on my profile, gmail.com. And I do hope that you have a beautiful day. Until next time.